We've been looking at a series called The Red Sea Rules. We've based it off loosely off of this book, The Red Sea Rules by Robert J. Morgan. Great little book if you care to pick that up as uh, it just encourages your faith during difficult times. The same God who leads you into a trial is the God who will lead you through that trial. We've been looking at this now the last few weeks. We're in Exodus 14 as we continue to plow through these 10 rules. And we're taking our time with this. Uh, some weeks we'll take a couple of weeks uh, for one rule and, and just chew on it. Uh, so far, we have gotten through three. Let's review them, but let's not put them up on the screen yet, okay? So we're going to review without the screen. Who knows number one? Red Sea rule number one. I know you know it. We just went over it, and we've been going over every single meal. All right. Yes, ma'am. Very good. Realize that God means for you to be where you are. Let's put it on the screen. Let's say it together. Rule number one, realize that God means for you to be where you are. That's a great comfort if you're in a pickle. Uh, it's a great comfort if you are in a uh, frying pan. Uh, you know, sometimes we jump from the fire into the, fr no, from the frying pan into the fire. Uh, but to know God has led me, God is in control. I can trust him. He has a purpose. God can give comfort in a very difficult situation. Who knows Red Sea rule number two? Who's brave like Aaliyah to stand up and give it to us? Oh boy. Well, we're going to have a lot of weeks for this. Aaliyah, oh, I might have to come back to you. Let me see if there's anybody else. Otherwise, I'll have to go back to Aaliyah. Oh, yes. Excellent. Let's put it on the screen and say it together. Rule number two. Be more concerned for God's glory than for your relief. And that tests the pride and selfishness in all of us. Because I'll tell you, that is not human nature. That is not your default response. It is going to be so much easier to say, God, why are you doing this to me? God, how could you do this to me? But to have the wherewithal when your back is up against the Red Sea, and the Pharaoh's army is all around, and there's no way out to have the wherewithal to recognize God led me here. He knows exactly where I am, and he's going to glorify himself in this situation, and I want him to do so. I'm uncomfortable, but that's okay. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to be more concerned for God's glory than for my relief. Who knows Red Sea rule number three? Red Sea rule number three. Joel? Can you stand up and say it louder? Very good. Number three, let's say it together. Acknowledge your enemy, but keep your eyes on the Lord. And we took a couple of weeks with this because some of us get only focused on the enemy and uh, we don't focus on the Lord at all. Uh, and others of us, disregard the enemy as we're focusing on the Lord, but it's good to know that there's an enemy there and to be able to be sober and vigilant and resist him steadfast in the faith. But he is a defeated foe. We are on the victory side. And you notice that Moses and the people of Israel, as Pharaoh came down that channel and pushing them up against the Red Sea, they acknowledged we're in trouble. They acknowledged the enemy 
But with Moses' help, they kept their eyes on the Lord. And I trust God will help us with that as well. Uh, There is so many distractions, so many things pulling our eyes every which way. But if we will keep our eyes on Him, uh, walking by faith, faith is the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And who knows Red Sea rule number four? Okay, Emily. Pray. Pray. There it is. Just the one word right there. I think all of you can memorize that one. Red Sea rule number, number four is pray. And we'll see that here in the text. Let's look at Exodus 14, picking it up in verse 9. <clears throat> but the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pihahiroth before Baal-Zephon. Verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Lord, help us tonight to see the importance of crying out. I pray that we would learn how to just, uh, in times of agony, in times of, of despair and great distress, may we learn to turn to you first and just cry out for help. Help us to recognize, Lord, that in those moments, we don't need some great, long, theologically sound prayer. Thank you, Lord. You're just looking for us to cry out just a desperate plea of dependence from our hopeless situation. Lord, may we not make it harder than it needs to be. Rather, Lord, I pray that we would just see the simplicity of this. Lord, it is so uh, often uh, the case that we, we don't instinctively pray. Forgive us, Lord. We instinctively panic we instinctively blame we instinctively run we have so many instincts that fire in a in a situation that is desperate but lord may we get to that place where our reflex would be to cry out to you in prayer i pray you'd teach us may we have a a better prayer life through the trials you take us through than we ever could have had without those trials and after the trials lord have come and gone i pray that we would still walk so close to you because of how we learn to talk to you how we learn to look to you in prayer i pray it in jesus name help us now amen all right well one more time on the red sea rules i'm going to read them let's say them together rule number one Realize that God means for you to be where you are. Rule number two, be more concerned for God's glory than for your relief. Number three, acknowledge your enemy, but keep your eyes on the Lord. And number four, without looking, pray. Okay, I think we can learn that one for sure. Have you ever prayed a desperate prayer 
There's a little book. I, I, I don't know if I remember the author, but I remember it was about this size. Uh, the Power of Crying Out. Anybody seen that book and know the author? Anybody? Someone's going to tell me later. But uh, the, uh, I remember reading that, oh, probably in Bible college, uh, The Power of Crying Out. You know, sometimes God brings us to a place where prayer gets very real very quick. And you don't have to think through, what am I going to say? Or I'm embarrassed, or whatever, or I don't have enough time. No, no, no. God can get you praying if He wants to get you praying he can get you praying, and I'll tell you what, it is, it is a prayer of desperation that, uh, that, that uh, is honestly usually just very simple. When you are driving on the road and you almost get into an accident, something comes out of your mouth, and let's hope it's clean, <laughs> okay? Help! Ah! Help, Lord! You know, sometimes... You only have time to say one or two words. Help, Lord. Now, that's been a prayer I have prayed over and over and over in crises when the kids are going through something and we're on the way to the emergency room. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. I don't even know what else to pray. At that point, my mind is going so many ways. Lord, just help us. Deliver us. When you're having trouble, uh, with your marriage. Help, Lord. I can't do this. When you're having trouble with a child, when you're having trouble at work, sometimes we just need to cry out to God. I'll give you a quote here from the book. There comes a time, in spite of our, 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 our uh, soft, modern ways, when we must be desperate in prayer, when we must wrestle, when we must be outspoken, shameless, and importunate. Many of the prayers recorded in Scripture are heart cries. And the Hebrew and Greek words are very strong. Despite opinions to the contrary, the Bible does recognize such a thing as storming heaven, praying through the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man, which avails much. We just went through a series on prayer not too long ago in our Sunday night life groups. And I think two or three of the lessons were on urgency, fervency, and importunity. Well, you can't work that stuff up. And yet there's a lot of importunate prayers in the Bible. You know, folks, if, if, uh, if God wants to, He can give you some fervency, some urgency, and some importunity without you having to do a thing. It's just called having your back up against the Red Sea, being walled in by wilderness, and desert, and mountains, and here comes Pharaoh and his army. And all of a sudden, importunate prayers just flow. It's, uh, it was an innocent request that the disciples made when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. <laughs> the Lord can teach you to pray very, very, very easily just by taking you through a trial. You won't need a class. You won't need a textbook. As you walk with God through a trial, God will teach you to commune with Him, to cry out to Him, and He will teach you to pray. Lamentations 2.19 talks about crying out, and it's all the way through Scripture. That'd be a great message just talking about that phrase. But Lamentations 2.19, Arise, cry out in the night. In the beginning of the watches, pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. 
Lift up thine hands toward him for the life of thy young children that faint for hunger in the top of every street. Hey, some of us parents have done exactly that. Some of you may have done that last night. You rose up in the night, couldn't sleep, and you poured out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. You lifted up your hands and said, Lord, I can't do it. I need your help. And you pled for the life of your children. You cried out. It was Amy Carmichael who talks about uh, learning this from another missionary, I believe, if I got it right. She would cry out to the Lord for certain character qualities that she needed at the moment. If she was feeling really angry and bitter, she'd cry out, Thy sweetness, Lord! If she was getting agitated and anxious in her spirit in a certain situation, she'd cry out, Thy peace, Lord! If she was not having it with this other co-worker and really needed some grace, Thy, thy love, Lord! If she needed to know what to do in a given situation. It was thy wisdom, Lord, and so on. Just crying out to God. You know, sometimes, folks, we make prayer into something really difficult, really complex, but some of the best prayers are just two or three words, just a heart cry expressing, I have nothing for this situation. Help, Lord! Give me your mercy, Lord. Give me your wisdom, Lord. Thy purity, Lord. Thy victory, Lord. I want to call our attention to James 5.16 for a moment. The Bible says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and and the Lord shall raise them up. Oh, that's the wrong one. Uh, I was looking for the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I think that's maybe the next verse down. I meant to put that one on there as well. But the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails how much? Much. Fervent, effectual prayer. And we'll see it now in several instances in Scripture. We've already talked about Jacob several times, but I'll mention him quickly. In Genesis 32, 24, Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And this was him crying out to God. This was his Red Sea. Esau was coming, and as far as he knew, Esau was coming for blood, And he was going to lose everything. His back was up against the Red Sea, and here comes Pharaoh, only looks a lot like Esau. And he says, I've got to cry out to God. And he does all night long, and he breaks through. The Bible says that he wrestled with God and prevailed. Fervent prayer. David is another one we think of when we think of desperate prayers. 2 Samuel 22, 7, In my distress I called upon the Lord, and and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. Have you ever wondered, is God listening? Does he even know what's going on here? Does he hear my cry? Absolutely, folks. Your cry is no different than David's cry. He will hear your voice. Your cry will enter into his ears. Learn to cry out to God. Many of us, when things go wrong, we do cry out, but not to God. Curse words may come out of the mouth. Despair, anger, all sorts of things may come out of our mouth, but what we need to learn is how to redirect our cry to the God of heaven whose ears are open, the Bible says. His ears are open to our cry. 
May it be instinctive when we get in a tight situation and our back is against the wall that we would look up and cry out to God. That's what happened here with these Israelites. They were scared out of their minds when they saw the Egyptians that marched after them. It says they were sore afraid. That means they were about as as afraid as you could possibly get. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. What do you do when you are sore afraid? When you are panic stricken? We need to learn God's ears are wide open in that moment. And you don't have to have everything figured out. All you got to do is read a few words further from where we just ended in Exodus 14 and you will find out that these folks who cried out to God didn't have anything figured out. In fact, they were way off base and the next few words are going to talk about how they start laying into Moses saying, why did you bring us here? Egypt was fine. We'd rather be there than die here. What have you done to us? So it's not that you have to have everything figured out and your heart's totally perfect with God if if any one of us can have a heart perfect with God in this life. No, it's just a desperate plea of fallen humanity and yet God still hears it. He does not expect you to have it all figured out. If you did, I suppose you wouldn't need to pray. I'm glad that God does not hold that against me when I cry out to Him And I'm even crying out in my distress and crying out maybe even through despair. God's ears are still open to my cry. And how many times do we see David do this in the Psalms? How many times was he facing a Red Sea of sorts? And he cries out to God and God parts the Red Sea for him. David, Jacob, but there's a couple others I want to draw your attention to, some awesome Red Sea prayers is what I want to call them. What's a Red Sea prayer? A Red Sea prayer is a real simple prayer. It goes like this. Help! That's a Red Sea prayer. I think you can do it. I can do it. We can all do a Red Sea prayer. So David's got him. Jacob had it. His was more than help. His was all night long. Jehoshaphat is the next one. 1 Kings 22, 32. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat that they said, surely it is the king of Israel. Now stop there. Do you remember this passage? Jehoshaphat is a good God-fearing king and he goes and makes an alliance with Ahab, a wicked, God-ignoring king. And uh, this wicked king Ahab says, I want you to fight with me my battles. And Jehoshaphat, willing to make peace, says, yes, I'm with you. My people are your people, and your battle's my battle. Let's go. Even after the man of God, Micaiah, had said, not a good idea, they went anyway. And uh, Ahab said, why don't you wear your robes and dress up like a king, and I'm going to go in disguise. Jehoshaphat was a nice guy, but he wasn't very smart. Uh, that's just a fact. Uh, so he, he's the only guy out there dressed like a peacock. And uh, the other king is in, in camouflage. And uh, here they come. They, they, they think they're going after their king Ahab. And they're actually going after King Jehoshaphat. And he realizes this isn't working out very well. Oh, no. And as he is fleeing for his life, Jehoshaphat, who was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, where my mom told me never to be, he cries out. 
And what happened? The Bible says that those captains who were bearing down on him, they realized this isn't the king that we're after. Now, how'd they realize that? God answered a prayer. And all of a sudden, these guys realized we got the wrong guy. We need to turn away from him and go find the actual king of Israel that we're trying to, to, to get. And they didn't find him, but some other guy did. Somebody was bored. It was like, I don't know, I got one more arrow. Well, might as well let it go. Want to go to lunch, Bill? Okay, let's go. And off they go to lunch. And here goes this, this laser-guided missile. Boom. And it smites Ahab right there, camouflage and all. And he dies later in his own chariot. You know, God is merciful. And sometimes, folks, we make bad choices. Like Jehoshaphat, we make wrong compromises, sinful choices. We end up in the wrong spot at the wrong time with the wrong people. And you might think, oh no, God's just going to smush me like a bug. Not necessarily. Cry out to him. Humble yourself. Admit, Lord, I am wrong. I'm, I, 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 I made some bad choices here. Lord, I need you. Lord, help! Jehoshaphat cried out. And God heard his cry. I got another one for us to consider. Hezekiah. Hezekiah. 2 Kings 19, verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. <clears throat> and what was this letter? It was a threat. It was a threat from Rabshakeh and Sennacherib, king of Syria. And they were basically bragging about all of the, the kingdoms they had conquered and and how that none of their gods had been able to spare them. And what makes you think that your God will spare you? No. Your God's not going to spare your, you either. You are going to die. And it's a scary letter. Especially if you're the one in his position with all of that responsibility. I can't imagine that responsibility. And, and it's just too much responsibility for him. He has decisions to make. All of these people are looking to him. They're, they're starving at this point. They're starving them out. Do I surrender? What do I do? You know what the best thing to do? Cry out to God. And he goes and spreads it before the Lord. If you've got too much on your shoulders today, you have an opportunity to do what he did. Take it off of your shoulders and put it right at God's. Put it at God's feet and just say, God, I can't handle this. This is breaking me. And he takes that letter that weighed a million pounds and he spreads spread it before the Lord, and look what it says. Hezekiah received the letter at the hand of the messengers and read it. Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent them him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Now that was a little bit more than help, wasn't it? <laughs> but it was good. And he basically just 
focuses right in on the key threat of that letter, which was, we took out everybody else's gods, we're going to take out your God as well. And he says, oh no, Lord, of course they took out everybody else's gods. They were just the work of men's hands. But you're the God of the universe. Lord, help us. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. And did God hear that prayer? Absolutely he did. The Bible says they woke up the next morning and they were all dead corpses, I believe is the terminology used there. It was over. There's another good prayer, a couple more. Asa, King Asa. 2 Chronicles 14, 11. Here's another cry. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help whether with many or with them that have no power, help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. These are incredible faith-filled cries to God. And yes, he was facing his Red Sea. He was facing doom. He was outnumbered. There was no way in the world they were going to win this fight but he said, we're going in your name. I love that little phrase. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee. How do you cry out? How do you pray a Red Sea prayer? It's very, very simple. Help us, O Lord, our God. We rest on thee. In thy name we go. Let not man prevail against thee. And God heard Asa's prayer. Just like he heard Hezekiah's prayer and Jehoshaphat, and David, and Jacob, and so many others. I got one more, and there's so many we could put in here. Maybe you're thinking of a few that I've missed. King Abijah. King Abijah in Second Chronicles 13. Um, this is a great passage. In, in about verse 3 or 4 or so, um, the, the king begins to preach this, this message, basically calling out that you guys are all idolaters and you have gone and compromised. He's talking to Israel. He's the king of Judah against the king of Israel. And he says, we're still serving God the way we're supposed to with the temple. We still have the priests. We still have all the sacrifices. We're doing it the right way. You guys have a couple of golden calves and you'll make anybody, the lowest people, your priests, and you're just, you're just doing everything wrong. But we are going to follow the Lord and he is going to fight for us. And while he's preaching this great sermon, guess what they're doing? They're ambushing him. They're circling around behind. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, keep preaching, keep preaching. We need a little bit more time. Yeah, that's real good, preacher. Guys, come on, come on. You know, and, and uh, unbeknownst to him, they get cut off. That's kind of a bummer when you're doing something for the Lord and you're really feeling anointed. You're preaching your heart out only to find out, oops, that didn't go so well. You know what? I want you to see the power in Second Chronicles 13, 14 was not in Abijah's sermon. It was in his cry. And when Judah looked back, <clears throat> behold, the battle was before and behind. And they cried unto the Lord, and the priests sounded with the trumpets, 
Then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hand. This was another Red Sea. Another Red Sea situation and another Red Sea prayer. As they took their stand upon truth and said, we stand with the Lord, I believe they were outnumbered two to one, if I remember it correctly. They get cut off, they get surrounded, ambushed, and they cry out and shout. And the priests, what else can they do? Blow the trumpet. And if that don't work, beat somebody with it, I guess. I mean, they're blowing that thing for all their word. I hope the Lord hears this. Well, the Lord heard it. He heard that cry of desperate help, desperate dependence. He heard that shout of desperate faith. And God delivered them. You know, God has never forgotten how to part the Red Sea. He did it for Moses. And he did it again, not the Red Sea, but the Jordan. He did that for Joshua, right? He did it one more time. Anybody remember when it happened? When did the Jordan part again? What? Elijah and Elisha were hanging out together, getting ready to go to that chariot ride. That's old-fashioned Uber to heaven, okay? Uh, something like that. Uh, actually, he did not go up in a chariot. The chariot parted them. He went up in a whirlwind. That's a misnomer. If you read that, he went up in a whirlwind. But anyway, before they got there, he takes his mantle, hits the water, and whew, parts it. I, I, was, I was reading that again today, just marveling. Um, man, who in the world was Elijah? He, uh, he walked with God, I guess. I mean, there was no parting of the Red Sea to deliver Israel. There was no parting of the Jordan to go conquer Jericho. It was just me and my buddy Elisha. And yet God parted the Red Sea for him. Who was he? A sinner saved by grace, Old Testament style, okay. But looking forward to the redemption that would come. And God delivered in that situation. God has never forgotten. He has not gotten rusty. He can and will hear your cry. There is a cry that we like to cry. And unfortunately, it seems soothing to our souls, though it's not, but it is repulsive to his. It's a cry of complaining, a cry of bitterness, anger, wallowing, despair, a woe is me kind of a cry, a sit around and lick my wounds kind of a cry. Why would God do this? That's the cry that we are good at. That's what comes naturally. And I'll tell you folks, that is the cry that God historically and biblically cannot stomach. We've got to learn to redirect all of that emotion and redirect that cry from a cry of complaint and disgust to a cry of desperate dependence. Oh Lord, help. We trust in Thee. Some final thoughts about the Red Sea prayers. What do we know about Red Sea prayers? Well, first of all, we have seen already that they are urgent. Red Sea prayers are urgent prayers. 
As we saw, Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, It's nothing with thee to help, whether by, with many or them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God. It does not have to be thought out, premeditated, or scripted. Sometimes I, I find myself in places um, where they want me to pray. Uh, maybe a, a, a funeral of somebody or uh, some other gathering. And, and uh, Pastor, can you pray for such and such? Did you bring a prayer? Uh, no, I, I did not bring a prayer, but I'm happy to pray. And they look at you like, what? You, you didn't bring a prayer, but you're happy to pray. Yep, that's what I said. Okay. And I just get up there and let her fly. And afterwards, oh, preacher, that was a great prayer. <laughs> you know, uh, well, the best prayers are the ones that aren't scripted. I'm telling you, it's the ones that you just pray in that moment as you are, are, are just expressing the need and the, 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 urgent, uh, the urgency of the situation. Red Sea prayers are urgent and it's good to be urgent with God. And to just cry out, let that desperation fly. God's ears are open. They are also not just urgent, they are united. Did you see this? Uh, in Exodus 14, they all cried out, is what it says. That's what it seems like to me. They were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. That's pretty cool. You have this huge group of people. They had no time to get an order of service. Now, when they're about 500 meters, everyone cried together. <laughs> no, there was no practice. There was no nothing. It was just, it just happened. They were united together in this cry for God to hear them and deliver. And this encourages us as we think of Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And there is something special that I can't explain about praying with someone else. I, I, I can't explain it, except that's just how God drew it up. Yes, pray on your own. But if you ever have opportunity, pray with somebody else. Pray with your spouse. Pray with your friend at church. Pray with your children where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. I remember um, when uh, I, was, uh, I was driving in evangelism. My wife was not with me. It was just me and another young man. And this young man had struggled in, in a lot of different ways and was uh, on my evangelistic team. It was just the two of us. Uh, driving, and we had to drive through Las, uh, Las Vegas, and um, he was nervous about it. He's like, preacher, I do not want to go through, through Vegas. And I said, well, we're going from here to here. The GPS says go through Vegas, and I don't know any other way. I trust the GPS. And he's like, well, are we going to get, are we going to be like going there through, through, the, through uh, at night? I said, probably. Well, we, by the time we got there, it was night, it was lit up, and there was, uh, I, I don't even know where we were, but it got, it got lively as we were moving through, and I could just tell he was scared out of his mind, just temptation-wise and whatever else. And so we prayed the whole way through, out loud. We had ourselves a great prayer meeting, and it lifted the entire spirit. Um, 
uh, of that young man. And uh, it was just a blessing. You know, when you're on the battlefield, you have a battle buddy, pray with them. If they're struggling, if someone's facing temptation, pray with them. Where two or three are met together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And I can tell you, it's, it definitely felt, we felt the comfort of the Spirit of God just ministering to us. So many other situations I could give you where uh, I chose not to pray alone and just sense the comfort of the Lord in that situation. You know, it's one way to heal a relationship. Pray with a person that you're struggling with. Friend at church, pray with them. Spouse, pray with them. Children, pray with them. And, you, uh, and when you have a need as a family, as a family, cry out collectively to God. They were united together in their prayer. Red Sea prayers are urgent. Red Sea prayers are united. It was the whole group. And Red Sea prayers are unfeigned. They're not fake. They're not worked up. They're not scripted. Nothing vain or repetitious. Oh, we're about to die. Quick, where's my prayer routine? No, 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 no. They had complete helplessness. There was no pretense. And it was just a matter of being real with God. Red Sea prayers are unfeigned. It's just you crying out in that moment, help, Lord, now. I have nowhere else to go. It's being real. Pray by faith. Knowing that He hears you in that moment, faith is to prayer what the feather is to the arrow. It feathers the arrow of prayer and makes it fly swifter and pierce the throne of grace. Do we know how to pray Red Sea prayers? Do we know the power of crying out to God? Are you willing to pray and cry out with someone else? Cry out with your spouse. Cry out with that friend and unify your hearts together, crying out that God would part the Red Sea in your situation. And will you pray in simple faith, unfeigned, nothing worked up, just you be real with God about your situation. And I'm glad that he doesn't expect us to be perfect. As we're going to see, as I already mentioned, just a couple of minutes later, they're blaming Moses. But God still heard their cry. And he'll hear yours as well. Lord, thank you for hearing our cry. Teach us, Lord, the power of prayer and the importance of crying out to God. Lord, for anyone here whose heart is heavy, for anyone here who is discouraged and overwhelmed and uh, facing Pharaoh on one side and the Red Sea on the other, I pray that they would learn how to cry out to you. And Lord, would you hear them as you promised and would you meet with them and meet their need, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.